this series, we're learning. We're really trying to focus on how to bring balance in our lives. And, and really, God, he doesn't want us to be successful in one or two areas of our life. He wants us to be successful in all of the major areas. And uh, this graph they have on the screen was created by Zig Ziglar a number of years ago. Of course, Zig Ziglar passed away several years ago, but he was a, a, an incredible Christian leader. And um, he, he was doing some research and study, and he said, you know, basically life falls into one of seven major categories. And there, we, we all, all of us have these seven major categories, you know. There's our spiritual life, our family life, you know, the family that we have, and whether you're married or not or have kids or not, you still have family. And then our financial life, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what way you want to cut that, but uh, we have to have money, we have to make money, we have to pay things. And then there's our mental life, how we think, our physical life, our physical body, how we take care of our body, our social life, the people that we hang around with. And, you know, some I talk to some people, the biggest problem is that they hang around people that aren't positive like them. And so our social life is very important. And then our work life or our career. And so we're just going through these one-on-one, one at a time. And I'm just trying to give you some practical help on how to improve these different areas of our lives. See, the problem is that many times when an area of our life is not going well, we, we don't feel successful in that, so we don't want to deal with it. And that's just human nature. We want to go where we're doing good, and we want to stay away from where we don't. I never understood as a pastor. I never understood that, like, yesterday we had this big marriage event, and we've had things like this in the past. We'll have a small group marriage thing. And I always found it funny that people who need the most marriage help don't go. But they come to me the week later wanting counseling, right? And I'm like, you would rather me than professionals? Come on now. But, he, but here's the reason. When we're struggling in an area, the devil lies to us and tells us that we're not good enough, we're going to embarrass ourselves. And you know what? Here at Family Life, and I believe that God is really big on this, is that he doesn't want any of us to be embarrassed. He just wants to help us do better. And that, that's, what it, that's what it's all about. So, so anyway, this morning we're going to talk about our work life, how to maximize your career. And if you don't know me, I'm just a very, very practical person. So uh, the goal of today is to help you. If you're not happy in your career, maybe you have a good job, but you haven't been getting promotions. Maybe you don't even have a good job. Maybe you don't know what field you want to be in. These, I'm, I'm going to use some biblical illustrations I think will really help you. All of the teenagers here and college kids, man, if you learn this before you start your work life, it, it's very, very good because when we start our work life, our careers, if we make some mistakes, a lot of times it takes a lot of time to, to reverse some of the mistakes that we made in and of ourselves. So the text this morning is Colossians 3, verse 23 through 24. And it says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And think about that for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. If, if you went to work for Jesus, would your attitude and effort be different? I mean, seriously, if when you got to work and Jesus was sitting there, you know, it's one till you're running across the parking lot, you know, you'd be asking him, is there anything else I can do? Do you need anything else done? I, I believe that our attitude would change and our effort would change. And I believe 
So here's the question. Would your job performance improve? It's getting really quiet in here. You know, I, I think it would. I just, I, I just, I don't think we would show up later, give a half-hearted effort if, if we were working for Jesus. And so the first step in our careers is to realize that we're not doing our job for people. We're doing it for the Lord. That we represent God at work. You know, if you go to work and they know you're a Christian, they know you go to church and you do a bad job, please tell them you go to Second Baptist, okay? I'm, 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 I'm kidding, don't. Let me just strike that from the record. I, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but shouldn't Christians who, are, who profess faith and are spirit-filled, we, we should be the ones that stand out in our careers, and yet many times our attitudes and our lack of focus get us in, in a bad place. So we're commanded to do our very best as if we were working directly for the Lord. And, you know, really how we do our job is a reflection of Jesus. And, you know, some people, I believe this, some of the people uh, will never go to church. The only church they'll see is in us. And if they see Christ in us, if they see that, you know, we're 100% genuine, we're 100% authentic, I, I believe that is, is really the best way to get some people uh, to meet Jesus. So let me tell you, let me briefly tell you a story. As our, as our character this morning on maximizing your career, we're going to use the, the Old Testament character of Joseph. His story is found in Genesis 37 through Genesis 50. And so let me, if you don't know his story, let me give you just a couple of characteristics. But Joseph is one of the characters in the Bible, there's, there's several, that really illustrates, that really paints a picture of how to get the most out of your work life, how to get the most out of your career, how, how to move up the ladder in a way that's filled with integrity and character. And if you know, of course, he was, he was the son, he was the son of, of Jacob, the great-grandson of Abraham, uh, but really, Joseph, he, he, he started at the very bottom. If you know the story, although he, he had a spiritual inheritance and his family was wealthy, but his older brothers sold him into slavery. They didn't like him. They sold him into slavery, so he ends up in Egypt in the house of Potiphar, who is one of Pharaoh's chief guards, military person, and he's on his, working on his plantation, his estate. And it says that he went from being a bought slave to running Potiphar's household. And so he found a way to move up. He found a way to do better. And, of course, he's falsely accused of sexual assault by Potiphar's wife. He's thrown in prison. And in the course of time, he, 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 the warden sees Joseph and, and makes him in charge of the whole prison. Then, of course, several years later, he, uh, he, he, Pharaoh has a dream. He's not, no one's able to interpret it. Joseph's brought to him. He interprets the dream through a wild set of circumstances. He goes from being a slave sold in Egypt to being a sexual predator in jail, and now he's second in command uh, to Pharaoh, running, running basically the governor of Egypt. He has the Pharaoh's signet ring, and the only person who has authority over him in all of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world at that time, was Pharaoh. How do you move from the outhouse to the penthouse? I mean, I mean, really, how do you move from prison, from a prison cell, from being sold in slavery, being shackled, to, to really running? Joseph ran the country. He was, he was Pharaoh's arm to run everything. Pharaoh didn't have to worry about anything. And I believe the life of Joseph gives 
gives us some great insight into the ingredients that you need to maximize your potential in your career. And here's the deal. Uh, just if you, if you make something, if you're cooking a meal or if you're baking a cake, there are certain ingredients you need. How many of you have ever been cooking something and you're like, well, you know, there's all these ingredients that I don't even know what that is. I don't think it's important. You know, and, and, and uh, but anyway, so there's ingredients, there's things that have to be in our career, in us, you know, demonstrated through us to really uh, cause us to be successful. So I'm going to talk about four of these this morning, just real, real quickly and briefly. But the first one is this, if, if you want to maximize your career, you have to make yourself indispensable. You have to make yourself indispensable. And this is what we see uh, in, in jo- this is why Joseph, a foreigner, was given such a powerful position in Egypt. He became indispensable to his boss or to the, the Pharaoh of the country, the nation of Egypt. And so in Genesis 41, you can, I'm going to give you chapter references. You can go back and read the story for the sake of time. In Genesis 41, it gives us a description of the problem. It says that Pharaoh had a dream. And the, the problem was he had a dream and none of his, none of his uh, wise men, none of his counselors could interpret the dream. And the dream went like this. He saw seven fat cows, you know, come out of the Nile River. Then also there were seven gaunt, ugly, skinny cows come up. And the skinny cows ate the fat cows, but they were still skinny. And that will mesmerize you if you just think about it for a minute. Then there were seven heads of grain, just healthy heads of grain. Then there were seven uh, that were had been scorched by the wind. And again, the, the scorched heads consumed the the um, the healthy heads, and, but they, they, they still look bad. And so Joseph said, he interprets the dream, he said, here's what the Lord's saying. There's going to be seven years of incredible abundance followed by seven years of extreme famine. Now, if you don't know anything historically about, about Egypt, Egypt, the reason that it was one of the most powerful nations is because it, it had a, it, the, the, um, the Nile River would overflow its banks and and the ground was so fertile, all, all, all the nutrients would overflow, and, and that in Egypt you could grow two crops a year, not one. The land, the, the soil was so fertile. So for the Egyptians to think, what, we're going to be in famine? We, we don't get in famine. Other nations come to us because of famine. We don't have famine in Egypt. And so he, he, he told him what the issue was. Then he told him how to solve it. But listen, Pharaoh needs to find somebody. You need to build storehouses all around the country. And, and for seven years, you need to save 20%. You need to save 20% of, of what comes in to make it through the years of famine. So here, here's, here's how Joseph made himself indispensable. First of all, Joseph identified the problem. He offered a solution to the problem. And therefore, he was given the leadership and the authority to solve the problem. See, many times we're going to work, and we're just we're going. We gotta get there at a certain time. We gotta leave at a certain time, and we're not opening our eyes to the big picture. What what problems are our company is our company facing? What are the problems? What are the possible solutions? And if you just go to work, work half-hearted, and leave, you're not you're not making yourself indispensable. You're not. 
indispensable means that they can't make it without you because you're so valuable to them. So here's the life application for us. Here's the rule. This rule applies to everyone. You will always be paid in direct proportion to what you do, how well you do it, and the difficulty of replacing it. So if you go to work and you give everyone a problem, you argue with everybody, you give everyone a hard time, they're probably not going to miss you if they let you go. So that's not good. You want somebody to miss you. If you have to be out for vacation for a week, when you go in, you want to hear them say, oh, man, we miss you. Here's some things we need you to do. So you have to, you have to make yourself indispensable. So, again, sometimes people don't understand this. See, a lot of times, again, I, I hate to say this, but I just got to. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not politically correct. I think we've become so sensitive about everything. I was so excited. The new generation, Generation Z, uh, that's the, the young kids today. Do you know that, that, that they're, they're going to be the most unpolitically correct of any generation in the past hundred years? Because our generation has gone so far. Oh, you can't say anything. Everyone's so sensitive. But here, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Um, people, see, people today think, especially in America, that just for showing up, you should be rewarded. And that we should be paid by the longevity of how long we've worked. Longevity is not the key. You can work somewhere for 20 years. The value you add is the key. You can be there for six months. If you're adding value, if you're doing things that have never been done, if you become indispensable, listen, the financial and the positions and the raises, that will catch up, and you will pass people that have been there for 20 years doing nothing. So it's not about how long you've been somewhere. It's about the, the, the value that you add. And so one of the things that we can do is we can gain specialized knowledge. Now, this is quite interesting, but do you, do you know uh, that in, our, in the tech, tech, technologically advanced society we live in, that a lot of things, um, that jobs are disappearing because things are being, you know, outsourced and things are disappearing. And so, uh, you know, I was reading one book that said this, that, you know, people get, you get paid more if you have specialized knowledge about something than if you just have general knowledge. So here's, when companies are trying to expand, when companies are trying to keep up uh, with, with growth and, and demand and, and, and just trying to change the way they do things, they're always looking for somebody to go to classes, to go to school, to get, to get specialized knowledge. If you're one of those people, that means you know something that the other employees don't. That makes you value. That, that gives you value. So we have to gain specialized knowledge. So a number of years ago, one of the founding members in our church, uh, Brent Goodwin, he came to me and he said, uh, he said, hey, man, he worked for a lar large oil company, and another company had bought their company. And he said, well, he said, uh, good news and bad news. He said, the, the, the bad news is they're going to lay all of us off, the whole accounting department. They're going to bring their own accounting department in. He says, so the good news is I'm going to get a very good severance check. I said, well, what's the bad news? He said, well, the bad news is I'm overpaid by 20%. So when I go find another job, I'm going to lose 20%, is it 20% less than I make now. So over, by, by the time another 10 years go off, I'm going to be in a big deficit. So, so, uh, so he's like, I have to find a way to stay on with the company. They're going to lay all these people off. I have, to be, I have to be the one that stays. And so he went out. And he, he, he spent about 30 hours the next couple weeks, and he started looking at all the new tax laws and things. 
And he found a way for his company to save $10 million. Brent stayed. Brent, Brent stayed. As a matter of fact, he's still there. But what's the difference? A lot of them didn't think about that. Oh, I'll just, I'll just get a uh, $50,000, $80,000 severance. But they weren't thinking, Can, what, what am I going to make if I get a new job? And so anyway, but, but Brent, he did something that the other ones didn't do. And so he made himself indispensable. A lot of people didn't save him anything. Brent saved him, uh, you know, $10 million. The next thing is, is determine your priorities. Be sure that you're crystal clear with your boss regarding the most important things that you do for the company and always work from the top priority down. And so here's the thing. A lot of times we work on things at work that aren't very important. We waste valuable time. And so you need to ask your boss, what is the most valuable thing I can do for this company? Is there anything that's not getting done that you need me to do? And, and you have to determine your priorities. I think we're, 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 sometimes when we go to work, we do the things that we like to do instead of the things that add the most value. So, so you really, you have, to, um, you have to determine your priorities. So first of all, make yourself indispensable. I believe Joseph clearly made himself indispensable. He, he identified the problem, he offered the solution, and he carried, he carried out, he carried out the solution. The second thing is this, is if you want to maximize your career, that, that you have to work harder than other people. You have to work harder than other people. And I'm telling you, whenever you, a lot of times we see, I think this is quite interesting and quite funny. You know, a lot of times when we watch the news and things, um, People are always mad at rich people, and people are mad at people who started companies. But those people, most people who start companies, they were working 80 to 100 hours a week before the company took off. They may, they may have worked like that for years and years in the poorhouse before their company took off. So they, they were working hard. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't just start something and it easily just, just takes off. So in Genesis chapter 41, verse 46 to 49, it says this. It talks about how Joseph worked hard. It says that he went throughout the whole land of Egypt, and he built storehouses in each city to store the grain throughout the country. So they went around building these so that all the grain gathered in this county here, or this city or town, could be stored here. And he did that all over Egypt. So he went throughout the whole, whole country of Egypt. And really, he created an organizational system to store, record, and eventually distribute uh, the grain when the famine came to a large part of the world, the biggest, large portion of the world. And so if you read the entire story, it says that the grain, that they quit keeping record of it because the grain was as the sand on a seashore. But he had the organizational structure in place to, to, handle, to handle all this. Furthermore, if we back up in the story, back to Genesis 39, that we find that Joseph, he didn't wait to work hard when, when Pharaoh gave him the job. He was working hard the whole time he went to Egypt, whenever he came to Potiphar's house as a slave. He worked very hard, and Potiphar said, man, I'm going to put him in charge of my whole, my whole house, my whole family. Uh, whenever, he w- whenever he was thrown in jail, the, the, the jailer, the warden, uh, you know, he saw that he was putting in effort, that he was working. In other words, when bad things happened to Joseph, he just didn't feel sorry for himself. So listen, feeling sorry for ourselves 
It may feel good for a little bit, but feeling sorry for ourselves won't do anything. Working hard gives us the ability to get out of, of, of where we're at. So here's the secret. Here's the secret that uh, when you go to work, work all the time you're at work. Work all the time you're at work. And, and so there's a recent, there's a study several years ago, and it says this, that research has found that the average person, the average person that goes to work, they waste 50% of their time. They waste 50% of their time by doing things like this. You know, when they arrive in the morning, they go in there and they drink coffee with everyone. They waste 30 minutes and or they, they, they chat with coworkers. Uh, they surf the Internet, you know, 17 hours a week at work. They check their personal emails, and they're on Facebook. They're on face. They're at work posting on Facebook about their work, and their boss sees that they're posting on Facebook about them at work. That didn't. That didn't. Think about that for a little bit. Didn't go over too well, okay? But uh, in other words, so uh, we have we have to find ways. I'm not saying to be a workaholic. I'm not saying to. I'm not saying to, uh, you know, n- ignore your family. But if we, if we have to go to work, then just work the whole time we're at work. Don't waste time. Get in there and start knocking things out. When, my first job when I was a youth pastor at Family Life in Lafayette, my office, my office was, uh, I had to go through the break room to get to the office. And, you know, and there were all the secretaries and stuff would be there. And I learned that if I came in at at eight between eight and eight thirty, it would take me forty five minutes to get to my office before I talked to all the ladies, because I couldn't just walk by that smooth, right? But if I got there at seven thirty, I could just walk right in, I could get a cup of coffee, go to my office, and just just start working, right? And um, I don't know if it's like that at, at your your at your employment, but think about this. Uh, so how it go, go, when it goes to working harder? First of all. Ask for more responsibility. Ask for more responsibility. And see, a lot of times, we just want to coast at work, so we're not interested in adding something to our workforce. But the, the way you make it, up, the way you increase, the may, way you become indispensable is when you're doing something that needs to be done that no one else wants to do. You know, I, uh, you think about it, all the bosses in here, how many of your employees come to you and say, is there anything else you need me to do? How many, how many kids in here, you go up to your parents and say, is there anything else I can do around the house? So it, 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 it starts going. So I, had, I was taught a lesson this. So I was in the Army. Um, I was in, in boot camp. I was at uh, Fort Bliss in El Paso in, in August. And so our drill sergeants told us, you know, you have these little bunks, you have quads, there's about 100 of us. And they told us, if we blow the whistle, we don't, they told us this, we don't care, we don't care what you're doing or where you're at, you come out in formation. And so they, they blew the whistle on an off time. And so we had, you know, most, we were in bed. And so most, most you know, it was all guys. So we ran out there in our underwear couple guys in the shower they just came out we're out in the quads but we so we get out there and there's a female drill sergeant there you know and so the drill sergeant hollered at us for about 30 minutes how we how could we ever disrespect a lady like that 
And so he said, we're going to teach you some responsibility. And so they, they, they gave, us a bunch of, gave us a bunch of different things to do. But what, one of the things I learned in the military was this, was that uh, the normal person, whenever someone says, hey, we need someone to do this, no one steps up. And one of the things they taught us is, you know, you don't wait for someone to ask. You ask them, what can I do? What needs to be done? What can I do to, to be a team player? Second thing is to complete tasks with a sense of urgency. And so when you're given a new task or responsibility, work on it with a sense of urgency. Now, so in other words, when you do this, you become, you become known in the office as the person who gets things done. There's a lot of people who are given responsibilities, and a week later they haven't, they haven't delivered. You know, they just kind of put it at the back of the pile. When you're at work and you're given a responsibility that you know is important to the company, you know it's important to the boss, you got to get it done. you got to show them that, that I'm going to get things done. When you give me something, I am going gonna to get it done. And so, see, we put ourselves in positions for God to promote us in the marketplace when we become indispensable, when we establish uh, ourselves as hard workers, but again, this is, this is not enough. Here's what I want to say. Being a hard worker and trying to make yourself indispensable is not enough. The third ingredient is this, is that you need to pray for God's favor to be upon your life. You need to pray for God's favor to be upon your life, and favor is the one key ingredient in the life of Joseph. You can't read the story of Joseph without it being fairly evident because it says favor several times it's passed over and over and over again how God's favor made it possible uh, for him to move up from slave to uh, a prison sex offender, that it was, uh, it was God's favor that put him over the top. Let's look at this, Genesis chapter 39, verse 2 through 4. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master, and when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So it wasn't just his hard work. It was God's favor. They, they both were working together. So in other words, when we go to, in the marketplace, we're supposed to do our part. We're supposed to do our part. But then we also need to pray, okay, God, there's doors that I can't open and I ask you to. There's people that may not like me. And I'm going to ask you just to open doors for me. Let's look at another passage, Genesis 39, verse 20 through 22. It says, uh, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done. Uh, Genesis 41, so Pharaoh asked him, asked them, so all of his associates, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your, to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So favor really is a supernatural edge in life. It's the smile of God upon your life that causes people who really shouldn't like you to like you. See, Potiphar should have never liked Joseph. He's just a slave. He's just a hired hand. I, I paid for him. And now he's running my house. The prison warden 
uh, shouldn't have given Joseph favor. He's a foreigner, and he's been convicted of sexual crimes. Pharaoh, Pharaoh should not have, have, have been favorably disposed to Joseph, but, 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 but that's what God does. And I want to show you something. See, what, what happens is when God's favor is on our life and when we're doing our part, what we see in the life of Joseph is he skipped some levels. Have any of you ever skipped levels? See, he, he, went, he went from, you know, from managing Pharaoh's deal to being in prison to being in second in command of Egypt. Now, I'm not sure of Egypt's organizational scale, but I don't think from prison to governor. I think there's some skip steps that were skipped there. And so, see, a lot of times we have our eyes on how many layers we got to go through. But no, see, the, the favor of God can cause you to take exponential jumps, exponential leaps, can get you from one organization that's not good to one organization that's good, put you in a place where you, your talents aren't being used, put you in another place where your talents can be used. And so the favor of God was, was, was uh, you know, so, so important. I'm, I'm going to tell this story. Some of you may have heard it before, but when I was growing up, my dad had this one a friend named Sam Tucker, and Sam worked for Hormel uh, Meat Company, and he was always, you know, he was kind of like a country boy. He was just a good old boy, and he didn't seem like he fit in the sales landscape going around. And uh, but he always, he was always the, the top salesman of the year every year. It didn't matter, and he would give away his trips to Hawaii. He'd won so many of them, he didn't want to go anymore, and so my dad was fishing with me one day and said, Sam, I just got to be honest. It's like, man, you know, I love you. You're my friend and all that, but I don't know how you do this. How do you win the top salesman of the year every year? You got all these young whippersnappers, all these up-and-coming guys, all these hungry guys, and here's old Sam just walking in, good old boy Sam. He said, Jim, every day before I leave, my wife and I get on our knees in front of the couch, and we say, God, you know, today I just need your favor upon my life. Uh, there's this one... There's this one contract we've been, everyone's been trying to get, no one can, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go try to get that today, and I just pray that you'd be with me. He said, Jim, it's unbelievable. I'll walk in places just unannounced, and, um, you know, we've been trying to get in there for weeks and weeks. They won't schedule us to come in. I'll just stop by and just say, hey, I, you know, ask if I can speak to the CEO, and they'll laugh at me, and, and he said, well, would you just ask him, and the CEO will say, you know, I just had a, someone cancel. Yeah, bring Sam on in. And as a matter of fact, if there was a contract that they wanted to get, they always sent Sam. And so Sam told my dad, Jim, you and I both know it's not because of me, right? But the favor of God, people that should not like me, people who should not give me preferential treatment, people who should not schedule an appointment with me, they just do. God causes them to like me. I just get along with people. Well, how many of you know that Sam, he worked hard, and Sam was, he was indispensable, and he worked hard, but in himself, he couldn't do it. He needed the favor of God upon your life, and so here's the news. The good news is this, is if you're doing these other ingredients, we can very simply, just in humility, see, a lot of it's about humility. A lot of people pray for God's favor, but they have arrogance and pride in their life. You have to humble yourself before God, and you have to say, God, listen, I know that I can't do this. I know I don't have the skills, the talents, but I believe you can take my best, and you can make it better. 
God, I need your favor upon my life. Your favor unlocks doors. Your favor opens connections. And it, there's, see, there's something about the people who receive the favor of God is that they really understand that they're not good enough on their own and that they need God. There's a, a dependency upon God. And, and, and those two things just really work together. The, the fourth and the last thing this morning is that uh, we need to develop a patient endurance, a patient endurance. And one of the things I noticed in the story of Joseph is that a lot of bad things happen. A lot of negative things happen. And, and I just want to say uh, it doesn't matter how hard you try. Bad things are going to happen. It doesn't matter, you know, even if you're walking close to the Lord, some bad, we're in a fallen world. Some things, some negative things are going to happen. And so I, what I believe is this, is that we, first of all, we have to be patient and not quit. And we have to develop, develop some endurance, some endurance. And Joseph had some grit in his life. Joseph had, uh, you know, some, some determination in his life. And I want to take you through this. Genesis 37.2 says that uh, when Joseph was 17 years old, he had, he had this dream about his brothers bowing down to him. They got mad, and a short time later, they, 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 um, they uh, sold him to Egypt. In Genesis 41.46, it says that Joseph was 30 years old when he entered Pharaoh's service. So the dream started at 17. He got in Pharaoh's service at 17. At 30, Genesis 45, 6 says this, In the second year of the famine, his brothers came and bowed down to him. So Joseph would have been 39 years old. 22 years have passed. God gave him a dream when he was 17. The fulfillment of that dream happened when he was 39. So for 22 years, Joseph felt like he was in the desert. For 22 years, he's being rejected. For 22 years, he's being lied about. For 22 years... He felt the rejection of being sold to, to Egypt by his brothers. When he's in prison, he felt the rejection of, of really the guy who he had made successful, Potiphar's wife, lying about him. All these things. He was, he was in, when he was in prison, the, the cupbearer and baker came in, and they promised to help him out, and they forgot about him. And all these things happened. All these things happened. But 22 years later, this thing had passed. See, so I, I think there was some patient endurance, and I, I believe that many people miss out on God's best because they don't have the patience, they don't have the endurance to keep waking up and going at it every day when things are not, when things don't go the way that they're, they're supposed to, when things don't go the way that, that they're promised or the way they thought they would. And, uh, you know, it's so much easier. Church, it's so much easier to quit. And by quit, I mean just settle for where you're at. We can't settle. We can't settle. We have, to, we have to keep this patient endurance. And so the point is that you may not see fruit from your hard work immediately, but if you patiently endure and keep working hard and doing the things for excellence, God will take care of the rest. Now, here's, I've, I've said this many times, but the principles in the Bible, God's principles, they're more like a crock pot than a microwave. You know, you know what a crock pot is. You've got to put food in there, and it's got to cook a long time. Then it tastes good. And we're a microwave generation. We want everything fast, right? We want everything fast. And, and so, but every one of God's principles, I tell people this, 
if someone tells me they want to start doing something, a biblical principle, I'm like, look, it's not going to do you very much good if you do it for two weeks. You just have to do it for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter if it looks like it's working, if you think it's working. You just have to trust the process and trust that, that, that God is going to reward those who faithfully serve him. And, but so the point is, is you, may, you may see great results in six months, but it, it may be at the two-year mark. But when you keep doing the same thing, when you keep living with integrity, when you keep knocking at the door and following God's principles, uh, God will bless that. And the same, it's the same thing in our career. See, when we go, and again, you may get fired at work for something that you didn't do. You may get laid off. You, you may get labeled something. And again, as long as you're having integrity, as long as you're working hard and doing things with integrity, uh, you have to just overlook that and keep going. I mean, I mean, I mean really think about Joseph. I, I don't know. I, we, we read Bible stories sometimes, and I don't know if we really think about them. But, I mean, he kind of experienced the worst things that could happen to him. To be lied about, to be, I don't know, just, I, I think, you know, sometimes you hear the stories in, in our society of, of, of someone who's been in prison for 20 years, and all of a sudden they found out that they weren't guilty. And I think, that's like the worst thing ever. I can't imagine someone taking years of your life away for something you didn't do. But that's what happened to Joseph. That, I mean, that's what happened to him. So, again, I, I think sometimes we need to toughen up a little bit. Sometimes we need to say, hey, if work doesn't go exactly like I want to, whatever, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. Because God is the one that rewards me. God is the one. Promotion comes from the Lord, not from the individual company. If we do the right things, and if we continually do these things, uh, then eventually we're going to get to where we need to go, where God wants us to go. Galatians 6, 9, it says this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, I believe that scripture has, this scripture is profound to me because when we started this church and we had 10 people coming, you know, it, it, it's, sometimes you just want to give up when things aren't going the way you want, but you just got to keep going. Don't become weary in doing good. Have any of you ever been doing the right things and just got tired because you didn't see results? We have, but see, the promise of God is, is that if we keep going, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what happens if we give up short of that? We don't receive the promise. The only way we can, you know, so the biblical guarantee is if we're doing good and we don't give up and just keep doing that, eventually we're going to receive the reward of that. We're going to receive the fruit of that. But, you know, many times we quit before we're able to do that. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to have the band come up this morning. So, you know, we're just talking about uh, careers today, and I tried to give you some practical things from life of Joseph. And I encourage you to, to read that story this week, and you'll probably learn uh, more things in there that you can use. But it's some very important things that Joseph made himself indispensable. He, man, he worked hard. He put hours in. He put the time in. He gave his very best, and, and that God's favor was upon him. And he, he didn't quit when at first things weren't going 
His way. And I, I just want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray because I know that in a room this size, there's some of you that, you know, you're not happy with your career. You're not happy with how things are going. And, and the first thing I want to say to you is uh, you don't have to be discouraged because God, He has the ability to eventually get you where you need to be. Okay? I, I want you to understand that. There's, his arm is not short. There's nothing that he cannot do. But we also, we also have to make sure that we're doing our part. And our part, our part is that we can work hard. Our part is we can have a good attitude. Our part is that we can make ourselves important, indispensable to our companies. And we can also pray for God's, for God's favor. So whether you're discouraged or there's just something in your career that you feel like, you know, Terry, I, in this part of my life, I don't feel balanced. I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. And I just want, I just want to pray and ask God to help me. I, I, I want, like Joseph, I want to overcome. And I want to get to where I'm supposed to be, whether it's a different job or even within the company. I just want to pray for you because I, I believe this. I believe that God can do more in a short window when we humble ourselves before him than we can do on our own over long periods of time. Would you just raise your hands if you feel like you need God to help you in this area, this major division of your life? God, we come before you today. We come before you. God, and there's so many of your people here today. God, there's so many people who, who just feel like there's something more. There's more potential. There's more, something more to their career than what they're feeling right now. And Lord, just as you took Joseph and put him in Egypt, he didn't want to go to Egypt, but you put him there because you had a job for him to do. And Lord, help us to realize that wherever you put us along our journey, there's something there that we can learn. There's some principle, there's some task that can help us, Lord God. And, and maybe you put us where we didn't want to be just because you have a task specific for us. And God, I just pray for encouragement right now. Lord, I pray that you're taking discouragement out. And God, again, give us insight into what we can do for our company. Give us ideas. Give us principles. Give us strategies that will make us indispensable. And Lord, give us the ability just to work hard with good attitudes, Lord God. And Lord, we just pray for your favor upon our lives. God, we humbly come before you and we just acknowledge that we're not good enough to do things on our own. We need you. We need your favor. We need your blessing upon our career. And we thank you for that, Lord. Now I pray everyone here this morning, God, everyone that raised their hand, God, I pray you would specifically speak into their life. Give them hope, God. Give them encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming. I'm gonna be out there.